Welcome to She Inspires Me. I'm your host, Caroline Bruni, founder of She Inspires Me and Organize Curate Design. Launched as a Facebook passion project back in 2017, She Inspires Me was reborn as a podcast in 2020 to highlight the incredible women we all encounter in our everyday lives. Thanks to our key sponsor, Organize Curate Design, I welcome you to season two, another year of sharing the stories of inspirational women. Welcome to another episode of She Inspires Me. Today I have with me Sophie Storen. Now, Sophie, we're all about transparency. How many times have we tried to record this podcast? <laughs> this, must have been, this must almost be our fourth or fifth. I think so. <laughs> yes, and I take full responsibility for my technological shortcomings. <laughs> and well, it's also scheduled though. So we will dive into all the things that you do in your business. Um, but sometimes work comes up and you you gotta go with it. So that that is also part of why we have scheduled a couple of times. But it is great to have you with me today. Um, I'm gonna get stuck in and share a little bit about you with our listeners. So at the heart of Cook's Food is Sophie Sturen, knee cooks. So yes, her name is Cooks, her, <laughs> or her maiden name is Cooks. It is the name of her business. It is ironic. We will chat about that again in, in a moment. Um, so, who fo- co-founded the company over a decade ago? In their boutique Melbourne kitchen space, Sophie creates one-off menus that bring together the worlds of events and gastronomy. Sophie spent much of her youth in a kitchen, working in many kitchens throughout Melbourne. Whilst at university, she always knew she needed to work in hospitality. In her early 20s, Sophie moved to Paris to study cooking. And after studying, Sophie moved to London and began working with Sky Gin Jewel, who would be the single most important influence in her career. Sophie spent many years with Ginjul at Petersham Nurseries, given the opportunity to work with the likes of Maggie Beer, Greg Marloff, Alice Waters and more. Upon returning from Europe, Sophie co-founded Cook's Food in 2007 and the rest is history. Sophie spent six years as the head chef of Cook's Food and then stepped aside to become creative director, offering her the ability to be involved in all facets of the business from the initial menu development all the way to the chair selection, linen choices and floral. It's this energy, precision and care that we believe separates Cook's food from the rest. Now, I have personally had your food and it is so good. And I had like, and and it was like where I had it in my home. So I probably didn't even have the full experience, but yum, 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 yum. I have, um, and I love watching all your stuff on socials and and all the things that you do. So I think everyone's going to be a little bit hungry after we <laughs> chat all things food. But so were you always into food? Were you a foodie as a kid or were you one of those kids that ate separate food separate and like only white food or what was the deal? No, I was I, I ate a lot of different things, but I, I was always fascinated by it. So I was always interested in what you know, people were eating. I mean, my parents used to eat like a salad that had blue cheese crumbled through it. And even though I couldn't quite come to terms with the taste of it, the smell of it and the difference, you know, and the strength in the cheese and all these different sort of parts that came together really interested me. And I used to actually, my mum had a very big kitchen, an island Mm -hmm. bench room and all this kind of this amazing kitchen. And we spent our whole lives sitting up at the bench. We ate at the bench 
um, we used to cook, you know, pizzas in a in, on a pizza stone, and you know, dad had hand roll um, pizza dough on the bench, and so we were very connected to food all the time. But mm. it, it certainly didn't come overly naturally to me I you know spent most of my time just making a huge mess and mum would sort of be like please don't cook anymore and I just <laughs> you're making too much mess yeah and I'd experiment on my brothers who sort of sometimes loved it and sometimes absolutely hated it because I was <laughs> creative you know but that's so much fun I, I think even that concept of seeing food made firsthand and, and watching the entire process or being able to watch the process of, okay, f- this salad that ends up looking like this comes from these ingredients, this is the texture, this is the smell. Um, you know, we do have situations where kids and I've got kids and so they'll be doing their own thing and then they'll sit down for dinner and they don't see the whole process. So, um, you know, being able to sit at the kitchen bench and, and watch things be created is is pretty magical in itself. Did you, when was the the spark born for that interest in food to then kind of knowing that it was going to be something you wanted to do? Well, my parents really, they were not really that keen on it. So they sort of pushed me in a different direction for a long time, which in hindsight was a good thing because it meant that I went to uni and I, you know, I did a Bachelor of Arts and learned about all different things. And I learned about Mm. things that, you know, you don't necessarily, you know, subjects that you don't necessarily are going to use in later life. I mean, I did, you know, history and a lot of history because I liked, it was like, for me, it was like going to the movies, sitting down and watching. Mm. So I used to go and do this and then I'd work during the day, during the nights and the weekends at restaurants or cafes and yeah. and it was kind of really good. So going to uni was a little bit like having time off and then I'd <laughs> go to work all the other times. So yeah really good because it also broadened my interest in travel and you know I spent a semester in Florence um doing renaissance history and then I obviously became very Tuscan food and Mm. so it all kind of worked together so then pushing me in that direction actually made me kind of widen my knowledge and educated me more because I'd been at school since what prep and I hadn't really liked it so I'd finally been I was finally able to only do the subjects that I sort of was like oh that seems interesting Mm. Um, and I I, I liked writing I've always liked writing so I was able to kind of connect the two Um, Mm. and that was really sort of interesting and different Um, I one of my mentors Pete Fogg who owns Cappy Mineral Water yeah. Uh, yep. He um he was a big influence on me because he sort of pushed me in a catering direction and showed me all the different things I could do and said, go overseas and do this and try different things. And he really pushed me and he even today is still a very big supporter. He uses us for catering. Um and he, you know, has always, you know, he and I often I'll go into his um office and have a chat about, you know, how to do this and how to deal with that. And he yeah. Who gives me advice. Um, so um, that sort of was an extra push. Um, and then obviously once I finally, you know, just told my parents that like, you know, <laughs> uni's been great and I've now done yeah. got a degree and I have actually done a graduate diploma in professional writing, I'm still positive mm. I don't want to be a writer. 
I like. <laughs> you know, I don't want to be. I have it. confirmed that all that I have time. Confirmed it after six confirmed years. That I don't want to do that. Thing. Yeah, I've confirmed that I don't want to do that. That I've been studying for six years, and so that's when I left and I went to Paris and I went to cooking school and that was that was pretty eye opening. It was a ve- it was a bit. It was a, a bit of a, an American finishing school, the type of school I went to. So I had okay. a really eclectic group of people that I was training with, but a lot of them weren't interested in food in the way I was. A lot of them didn't want to be a chef. It was almost like their parents were sending them on holiday camp. So they were having the experience you had had at uni where you were like, I'm doing this thing and it's interesting, but I don't want to do this long term. And they were having, oh, wow, that's so interesting. It was really interesting. And then I went to London and my parents were a bit like, what are you going to do? And I was like, (laughs) stop "Um, moving around. (laughs) Please get a job or something. And that's when I went and applied for a job with Sky. And Mm. she had, you know, she was sort of like a little bit apprehensive about me because I sort of was a, I was pretty enthusiastic but in a very kind of over-the-top way. You know, I came to the interview wearing an I Love Cooking T-shirt and she was just like. Oh, super keen. We need to get a photo of that. God help me. And and I she gave me a trial and I did that for about two weeks. And after about the first three days, I sort of thought I already had the job. And then she sat me down after two weeks and said, all right, I'm going to give you the job. And I was like, I thought I already had the the job. Yes. So, and I worked with her for a long time. And because I was really enthusiastic and I was desperate to make food my life, um, I just, you know, I just became her right hand. So I would, she'd pick me up at four o'clock in the morning um, and we'd go into work and we'd, talk about produce and we talked to the butcher and it was an almost all-female kitchen at that point. Uh, I think we had just a male KP, um, which is a kitchen porter, like a dishwasher. Um, And... And it was it was amazing. I've I've got lifelong female friends that you know worked in that kitchen who I still speak yeah. to who are in London now. You know, having a yeah, yeah. good one. Um, You're not having the best time. Not having a good time. Twenty twenty one. And you know, best. I emailed Sky last week to see if she was okay. You know, mm. well, I said so, I see what's happening. It's terrible over there. Yeah. So, how old were you when you went to Paris? Uh, I was 25, 6. Okay. So mid-20s. Because you've obviously done your stint at uni. So that takes up that kind of late teens, early 20s part of your life. Um, So it wasn't probably as scary. Probably 24. Okay. And then when, um, how old were you when you moved to London? Uh, That was only 12 months after I'd been at cooking school. Okay. Yeah, so you've kind of moved really quickly, so, which yeah. like going from Paris to London is like what an hour or two hours yeah, on the yeah, Euro exactly. Like it's, exactly. it's nothing. It's like driving down the road in Melbourne sort of no, thing <laughs> if you get like, in traffic. So, um, yeah, it's not far. Um, what was what was that experience like, I guess, at that point in your life? Like did you feel overwhelmed or kind of, what am I doing here in this completely different country? Oh, you obviously already had some experience in, in being overseas through uni yeah. and, and travelling that way. Was it just like yeah. give me all the information, let me do it, or were you, were you being? No, Paris, um, Paris was very lonely. 
because because without um I was lucky I knew a girl who was a French actress over there and we lived next door to each other for Mm. the second half of the year that I was there the first half of the year I was it was a little bit lonely and it was a bit sort of strange to be in a different country by yourself um I really didn't know anyone um Mm. but it was good for me as well because you know I used to basically pound the pavement. I could, I would literally walk from Arrondissement to Arrondissement every day and just walk around. And I mm. would extend my days out by breaking it up into meals, you know. And I did enjoy going, going and having something to eat for lunch and sitting mm. there by myself. And I learned, uh, I learned that from my dad because he's travelled a lot, and he told me that the best, like eating in restaurants by yourself, can be one of the most, you know interesting and relaxing things you can do and I've I still like sitting up and eating in a restaurant by myself I don't need mm. a book. I don't even need my phone just sitting yeah. there up at the bar having a chat with the staff and enjoying a meal I still and I still do that to this day that it's so interesting that you say that because that's a skill sitting and doing anything by yourself is actually a really it's a skill that needs to be practiced because we all need to be good at enjoying our own company and be comfortable with the uncomfortable of because right now in the world that we live in it's as you said you've got uh, pre-phones it was you'd have a book or a newspaper or something or and now it's you know you've got your phone where you are connected to everything and everyone you would want to be connected to if you want to watch videos or read or um facetime with like you can talk to someone on the other side of the world while you're in a restaurant sort of thing like you can do that redundant when i was there because it was yeah. like, it was like a Nokia, it didn't even. Have, it didn't have <laughs> you can't, you couldn't do much. Maybe place the internet as if I had international do. roaming, because that would have cost about ten bucks a minute. Oh my god! Like so, the phone. You half the time you didn't even have your phone on you. There was no one to call. Yeah, because there was no point. You know. Yeah, that's so true. Yeah. But that the beauty of just being able to sit and, as you said, like obviously you've got a passion for for watching that space and seeing what the staff are doing and and how the other um, you know patrons are interacting and what they're ordering and yeah. like I, I agree like that's what I love about I I love sitting anywhere when I, especially when I haven't been to a restaurant or a cafe or something and I look around I'm like what are they eating and. What are they doing? And and that's normally when you kind of pick those sorts of things up. And that's from me who isn't in any way, shape or form. Um, yeah. I love food, but I don't yeah. know if I'm a foodie. I don't know if I'm No, but you also learn about cultures that way. I mean, I used to sit and watch these, you know, like heavily done up women sit in restaurants at 11 in the morning and they were having an omelette with ham and a wine. And it's like oh, that's so Parisian. And I was like, this is really a culture I could sneak into. <laughs> exactly. Well, it's fascinating as well when you say that because there's a whole Parisian type eating style. And mm. I actually have an auntie who lives in Paris. And um, when I went to visit her, it was beautiful. Like we went to the markets and got some fresh bread and and because it was really cold, they would have this like platter of you know, meats and cheeses that they would wrap a few times, but because it was so cold outside, it would often just get put on the balcony because that was like an extra fridge. Um, no, I, and then I they'd bring it in and have a little thing. And, the windowsill. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, it's guys. <laughs> fascinating, fascinating. Um, 
what an amazing experience. Mm. And so you take all of that, you 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 have this immersive experience. You get taken um under under the wing and you get to see the whole journey of what a day looks like. So as you said, you you're going and buying produce, you're chatting with the butcher, you've you built this um camaraderie with the team that you're working with. So how does that translate to you coming home and starting your own business? So um, I came back uh, for a little while and about that time I met my husband. So I'd say that was sort of I've been back about 12 months and then I probably and then I went back. I just was a bit unsettled and I couldn't find what I wanted to do and I was just getting a bit like I don't know what to do. And I didn't like, I I applied for jobs in restaurants in Melbourne, but I just, I was like a square peg in a round hole. I just couldn't find any, I couldn't find a single kitchen that inspired me on the same level. Mm. And I I don't know why. It might have just been the times, you know, and I, I tried lots of different restaurants and I just found it all a little bit difficult to manage. Um, so I went back to Sky and I was there for a little while and then I came and then it was, you know, they'd moved on, I'd moved on and it, it was the wrong fit again. So then mm. I was really lost. So then I went to Sydney and I worked for, uh, I worked as a private chef for the owners of Petersham Nursery who were the Bolognese mm-hmm. family. They took me to India and we, I was their chef in India like when we weren't travelling around, and that was amazing. Wow. I'd never been to India and I landed there by myself and was terrified. And mm. it, was, it was amazing. It's one of the best holidays I've ever been on. It wasn't even a holiday. It was amazing. Yeah, you're working, but um, amazing experience. Yeah, and then I worked for them in Sydney as well as their private chef. Um, but it was great. You know, the the dad's Italian. He taught me how to make pasta like the exact way Italians make it. And he and I used to cook together yeah. all day. I was supposed to be the chef and he'd just come in and go, okay, look, we eat pasta like five times a day and I'm going to have to show you how to make the best. <laughs> You're doing it wrong. <laughs> yeah, and he taught me how to, how to make aglio olio and he taught me how to work out how much pasta and he'd say, you know, a five-cent piece is an entree, a 50-cent piece is a main course. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like he taught yeah. me that. And I was like, this is so amazing. And then I got back to Melbourne and I just sort of thought, I think I'm going to start my own thing. And I wanted to have a little mm. food store. I wanted to do a little bit of catering and I wanted to do cooking classes. Mm. And so I started doing that. And, you know, working for all these really big families, you start to learn about interior design and all this other stuff. So I had a kind of a feel and a look that I was into that has mm. sort of all, all grown and kind of exploded over time, you know, for different mm-hmm. things and different looks and different places and um. And I suppose that's what led me into doing my own thing, but I suppose I never really thought that it would go to the, I mean, I remember the first few times I got asked to do weddings, I was like, yeah, no, I don't do weddings. <laughs> Sorry. They sound like a whole pile of hard work. Now I'm like, wedding, wedding, wedding. <laughs> now I love it because it is, it, it's more than just an event because I can mm. sit down with the bride and groom, I can write a menu about them yeah. and about what they're trying to say about their relationship because that's what a wedding oh. is, what you say about your relationship. And I love that. Yeah, well, we That is so amazing. So we start mm. with the meal and then we build out and I get to work with different 
event managers and stylists and then sometimes you know I do we I do my own styling which is you know not to any kind of celebrity level but it's you know it's simple it's classic and it always complements the food and the style of the couple you know yeah it's pretty pretty pared back and and simple but it's just it, it's just sort of a real expression of them. And I, and I really like that journey a lot. And sometimes I like all of that journey leading up right up until the ceremony. And then, I, and then it's almost like for me that's all I wanted to do. And then you're done. Your, your done. job is done. And then my yeah. friends come in and they do the food and the service and I sort of stand around for a bit until they're like, go away. And then yeah, I'm like, yeah, annoying. Okay. Get, you're just getting in the yeah, way. Can you go away? I'm like, What's that? Should yeah. that be here? And they're just like, oh, yeah, no, you're just meddling. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> meddling. Sophie comes in. So, yeah. yeah. Oh, that's so oh, so beautiful to hear. I got married a long time ago, so I was like, oh, what did? Mind you, I organised everything, and because I'm an event manager, kind of that's the core of what I've done the majority of my career. I was like the annoying person that had everything <laughs> under the sun on my request list because I knew what I wanted yeah well when you know what you're doing it's really hard you know what you want it's very because you have to in a in a relation that's what I do like as well about brides and grooms this is the first major thing they're doing as a couple and it's really interesting and they're blending two elements so it's you know one person's family and another person's family and friends and yeah, why? Well, that's so true. I actually, as an event manager, I adamantly said I wasn't going to do weddings. Like I was like, I'll do concerts, I'll do birthday parties, uh, but I won't do weddings because there's always a drunk uncle that says inappropriate things and there's always <laughs> someone that cries, like not at the things they should be crying about. And Because yeah. it's hard enough in controlling an event, mm-hmm. add emotion to the mix. I like know. A really emotional, invested event. Yeah, so I, I'm pretty impressed because, uh, yeah, wedding's not my thing. But yeah, well, um, lots, to be honest, lots of people say that, and lots of caterers yeah. I would say that. Like, and event managers that I hire are like, ugh. Lots of them have said <laughs> I don't want to do weddings, and I'm like, that's fine. That's what I like doing because yeah. I, yeah. I, like, I like the emotional connection. Because for me, I can't yeah. stand doing a corporate cocktail party where I see them eating the food and they don't even care. They don't even know what they're eating or why. And yeah. No, I I do love the beauty of that connection that you've just mentioned. Yeah. So when you because it is so personalized and it is tailored to the story of the couple um in the case of weddings um because I know you do a lot of other things, but do you find that people come to you and your team because cooks has a particular style um or is it that you've built your reputation and then they know that you will adapt to what they need? I think a bit of both, really. I think it's a bit of both. I think I think the one thing that a lot of couples want to do is express themselves. And I think when you're handed a package, it's really hard to express yourself through that, you know. Mm-hmm. And so being able to, I'll give you an example. We did a, a wedding on the weekend where the groom is half Chinese and the bride is Greek. And mm. so they wanted it to really show that. So we did like um, we did some Chinese, you know, influenced canapes. Then we mm-hmm. did deconstructed souvlaki for the main. So mm. we put souvlaki bread down, slow roasted lamb shoulders, salads, pickles, sauces, mm. and some people got it and they were eating, you know, like picking up, rolling it up and doing it themselves. 
and having fun with it and other people were eating it like slow roasted lamb and, a, you know, all that. Yeah, yep. And then we did a dumpling cart for supper and they loved it and it was mm. very personal and it was very them and they were very confident to express themselves in that way. Not everyone's that confident and that's why we're not for mm. everyone because some people don't know what they want and they want to be told yeah. what they should have. And then that's too much choice. Yeah. And then that would be too much choice. So they're not the people I usually work with. I work with people that are a little bit more self-assured. Mm. You know what they like, give me an idea and then let me run with it. And, you know, sometimes yeah. we're too far, there's definitely no doubt. And they'll be like, I'm not sure about that. You've gone way, way that way and we yeah. kind of need you back here. Yeah. And then when we need to get the parents on, on side, because sometimes that's the second hurdle is to get their post-sets oh, parents true. on side. Yeah, right. um, so I'll be like, this all seems a bit much and a bit what this and that. <laughs> and so I offer every bride can have a free tasting um, mm. tasting, and they can have both sets of parents in them. And yep. and that's really, once we do that, then the parents are like, oh, yeah, we're on board. Oh, this is a no-brainer because once they taste the food. Like even yeah, as you were exactly. describing the wedding that you did on the weekend, I was like, wow, what a great combination. And I eat yeah. everything, so like every cuisine. So I'm like, that would be cool what to I be knew, able to have that. And experience. what I knew about that was that fusion for me doesn't work. I don't, it's it, it's not going to work. Like we can't fuse Chinese and we can't chew, um, fuse China and Greece together. So yeah, the flavors are completely different. Completely different. And it would have been too much. It would have been, everyone would have been like, I don't even understand what I'm eating here. Whereas sectioning it off, in the courses meant that people could really go, I get what they're doing here and this is fun. Yeah. And, and that's what made it really, really fun. Oh, wow. That sounds fantastic. <laughs> I absolutely love that. What a great experience. Mm. Now, we know that 2020 was just shit <laughs> and catering right and events. Like I could not put that any other way. Right. Yeah. Um, I, my... As I said, I used to work in the events industry and I have many, many of my friends are in that space and my husband runs his own brand activation company and events company. So between all of that, it was yeah. pretty shit. Yeah. Um, but I um, I had the pleasure, as I said earlier, of engaging with your company. Um, so um, Rob, who is he's so much more than a blogger but he runs um i eat melbourne he's a really cool guy um and i reached out to him and said hey um it's my anniversary we're stuck at home i want to get something lovely because we can't go out um who should i reach out to and he recommended you and we had a chat and i loved the fact that i got to speak to you so that mm -hmm. and now i understand why um yeah. and so we picked out a few things and and um had that at home and it was amazing and I can't <laughs> wait to try more of your stuff and on top of that um Sharon Flynn from the fermentary is a very mm. good friend of mine and I know you've oh, done some work with her as well yeah she's amazing um so you've had to really turn things on its head a couple of times last year I've watched all the different phases and stages of how you survived 2020 tell me how how did that all play out and, and what what did March last year look like versus June versus maybe December? Um, so last year was really tough. Um, we, I'd, I'd just um, acquired another business, another catering company, and I'd absorbed all their workload and taken on some of their fabulous staff. 
and I'd been, we were really thinking that this was going to be the, the year. So it was mm-hmm. pretty full on and we were pretty excited. Um, and then when COVID all happened, it just sort of, it felt very surreal. It felt, uh, for me, it felt like for a while that there was, it was like a war. Like there was this feeling like mm-hmm. among, this was just before, you know, we got used to it, but it just felt like we had lost control of what was going on and it was quite terrifying. And I was okay at that point, um, but then it started to snowball and then I had to let staff go. I had to put people on stand down. Um, and then we got a bit of a boost with JobKeeper and things like that and we started doing the take-home. And, you know, the take-home was really, really good last year and we and it, and it was really the only thing that kept all of it, my staff employed. But for me, it really, I found it quite soul-destroying because it's not how I and it's not what I think. Yeah, no, no, not at all. No, yeah. it's not my style of food. And to not be able to get to people's houses and finish it off for them, I found yeah, yeah, I, I found that really tough. And I found the environmental impact of all this cryvacking and foil containers mm. and plastic. I found the whole thing. It just felt like we were spiraling. Everything was spiraling out of control. So, I obviously I swapped to as you know many biodegradable um, and recyclable products as I could uh, for the packaging and, you know, that felt better but it's still, you're still making so much rubbish. Yeah, Um, yeah, I completely understand where you're coming from. And then... And then so then by about November we started to feel like things were picking up again and we were able to do events and so I started to kind of feel really confident and that was good and we had a really big December. Um, And then we collapsed a little bit in January because we were all so exhausted. So I actually gave my whole team the first half of January, uh, first three quarters of January off. Um, and even I took a little bit of a break. I mean, I, I manned the phones and did all that stuff because that's just part of being a business owner. If someone's got to take responsibility. Yeah, someone's got to do the stuff. Exactly. Yeah. So I did all that and gave everyone a big break. And then we came back and, you know, did events for in late January. And February's been really good. Uh, March, mm. I don't know. I think we're going to have a lockdown this week. So I'm getting pretty nervous about that. Uh, but we stopped this week was our last week of take home. Um, mm. I made the decision this week that I can't do it for another 12 months. Um, I just don't feel connected to it. And while yeah. it saved us through, um, you know, last year, I don't, I'm, I've just got no interest in, in, mm. in making it, you know, part of our business model. Yeah, and that's the thing. Like, if it was created to get you through a time where we were all playing in the unknown, and you needed to find a way to keep your staff engaged and keep revenue coming in, and all of all of the things, mm. all of the reasons. But as you said, we're trying to enter twenty twenty one in 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 a way of what do we love doing? How can we bring all of the fundamentals of what we do in business back, exactly. but in a COVID safe way and, and yeah. whatever else. So I think that completely makes sense. Yeah. Well, I just sort of think that I would rather be a smaller business and take on less jobs than be a bigger business and try and be everything to everyone. And I just, mm-hmm. I want to focus on the high end, beautiful luxury events that we've been so lucky to get 
and mm. you know some really besp- all the bespoke stuff that is what really what we first started doing. Um, yeah. And so I've got really great clients that are using us regularly, and so we're, we're we're fine. It's just more of a you know we did think I did think for a minute maybe this could be an alternate revenue stream, but I've just I don't know. And my my chefs are all restaurant chefs. My James, my chef is from. Grossy, the Grossies. My yeah, wow. in charge is from was the head chef at Beko. Um, mm. So that they're like they don't want to put stuff in bags and <laughs> containers either. Yeah, when this I told them week that this is the last week, I thought they just both sort of high fived me, and I was like, yeah, well, you know, we still have to still got to have enough revenue to survive. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But um, but yeah, so look, I hope I've made the right decision. I think. You know, I'm pretty good. My gut's usually pretty good, and with with the loss will come again. So, yes. you know, and we're picking up some good stuff. It just depends on what happens with the government and whether they're going to get a handle on all this hotel quarantine. Yeah, stuff. and and exactly like it's yeah. it's stop start stop start. We yeah, I agree. Um, even just in the last few days, we're like, okay, what's happening? Where do we? Where are we at? Sort of thing, and you just wake up and do what you got to do and, and and take it day by day which is really really challenging for running a business especially a business in an industry that plans ahead so yeah. you know as you know in often often weddings are planned sometimes years ahead mm. um let alone um other bespoke there might be smaller events but yeah you know, well, I'm doing, I've and, got a else. I've got a function on next um next Saturday that was supposed mm. to be at a Sorrento, a Portsea property on the water, right? So that was for 40. So we were hoping when we were at 30 that, you know, a month or so ago, that by the time we got to this day, we'd be at yeah. 40. And um, we've moved back. And we've moved back to 15. So now we're looking at doing it this Saturday at Point, uh, next Saturday at Point Nepean which is a national park where I can get a permit and do this and do that. And so now I'm doing all that extra work that I have to do to get it over the line. Um, but the main problem is that now, you know, we're trying to make he, my, the client and I, who it's his 50th, he and I are trying to make decisions based on what we think the government are going to do. Yeah. Because if they put and you it, don't know. No. So I'm driving no, to Sorrento tomorrow to meet his wife and his sister-in-law to talk about where we're going to put the table, the umbrellas, the bar, the this, the that, mm. at Point Nepean, at the same time in the back of all of our heads knowing that this could be a complete waste of time. I mean, I yeah. personally... you got to do it. You've got to get ready. Yeah. I'd rather waste my time and be ready than not waste my time and lose the opportunity. And, you know, yeah. you could easily go to a restaurant. So... And I said that to them. I said, you know, it will cost you less if you go to a restaurant. And he's like, I know that, but that's not what I want to do. You know, you and I no, are exactly. three months working on a menu and it's exactly what I want to eat. And I'm like, yeah, okay. <laughs> you know, which is great exactly right. knowing that kind of support, but it's just mm. who knows. But that level of um, what I think is beautiful about that story is he has engaged with you like the example of the wedding that you did last week and it's about that connection and and I think if 2020 taught us anything, it taught us that the human connection that we have with our friends and family and the people that we love, how we celebrate and share those moments with them, the memories that we make during that process, that's what it's all about. Yeah. Like 
it's not about all the other, like there was so much stuff that just got left to the wayside because we probably didn't really need it anyway. But I completely agree. Um, There's so many things that I would quite happily invest my time and money in, even knowing that there could be a chance it got cancelled or all that sort of stuff because it was about the moment and the experience and the memory as opposed to the ease of just booking a restaurant and, and all of that sort of Absolutely. stuff. So Absolutely. Yeah. It's that's that's what it's all about. Like even yeah. as you talk about yeah. the, those relationships you still have with the the women that you worked with overseas and hmm. that's the human human stuff. It's it's it is. got nothing to do with the money and whatever. No, else. and it doesn't. Exactly. And you know, I I I give a lot of my time away from my family to work with people and I think I mean I get a lot out of that. Um mm. And I think that's probably why I have, you know, most of my clients I've had for between five and ten years. Yeah. So, you know, we do, I'm doing the wedding, I'm doing the wedding for everyone in the family, like all the girls yeah. and all the boys. And, you know, we come back and we're like, here we are again. What are <laughs> it's your turn. But you get to, yeah, especially if you're working with families um, or people through all these moments in their life as well how amazing yeah. is that like is to, to be there for their wedding and then their 50th or their what, whatever their children's something or other like whatever they're choosing to celebrate with the people that they love and right. to know that you get to share that with them that's so right. good exactly and there has been a lot of generosity you know that I've seen generosity that you know I never even would have expected I mean I had a client that in the second week of lockdown one they said that they wanted to buy $1,000 worth of food um, and donate mm. it to the frontline workers. And I'll, Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, they did that for 12 months every week. Oh, wow, went, I didn't know that it went on for that long. Yeah, 12 months. So I cancelled it when they opened it up. I was like, listen, like very generous but feeling slightly awkward about it. And they were like, they were like, we don't care if you're feeling awkward about it. We're doing it until Christmas. And I was like, excuse me? And they did it the, uh, so it wasn't 12, it was like nine. But it was the yeah, entire yeah, way yeah. through. Um, and they, wow. every, you know, and they would just say invoice us for $1,000 worth of food and we would make up $1,000 worth of food and we'd deliver it to one of the hospitals. And we did um, the Austin and we did um, the Alfred and we did one more. I'd have to think maybe Cabrini. I remember that. I'd, like I feel like that was forever. Well, it was forever ago. What? Was it? Was almost twelve months ago. But they kept yeah. doing it, and they're you know they're a client that I've been working with for years and years and years, and I've done you know two weddings for um, one wedding for them. I'm about to do a bar mitzvah in May if we don't get locked down. Mm. So I've known them yep. for so long, and it, the support was you know it was humbling. Yeah. Yeah, it's really it's humans being good humans. Yeah, it was. It was amazing. Yeah. And I was like, "Can I tell everyone you've done this?" And they're like, "Don't use our name." And I was like, "Okay, <laughs> yep. so do the good thing." Amazing, you guys. to the nurses. Yeah, but um, yeah, and that's often the case. Like people that are doing these great things, they don't need like they, know, don't they just want to. They don't care. They, they like, just want to do the good thing. Don't tell anyone it's us. And I'm like, "You're amazing." <laughs> Well, that is lovely to know that there are some amazing people out there in your network and um, 
if you are a listener and you are like, I need to get myself some of that, <laughs> some of that magic that is Cook's Food, um, we will make sure that all of your details are in the show notes. So obviously your website, social media handles, um, so, uh, social media is great for seeing all of this stuff come to life, um, the weddings and the other events. Photos from the wedding that we yeah. had last weekend because the photos have just come in, come in of all the food. And I'm like, whoa, yeah. there's a lot of photos. So it'll be fun. Yeah, I'll- that's cool. That's what people want to say. I can could, I could look at photos of food all the time. I'm that <laughs> annoying person when someone's like, oh, we're going to go to this restaurant. And by the time I get there, I've checked their Instagram. I've checked their Facebook. Yeah, I've yeah. Like, gone on their website. I know what the Deeply menu connected. is. And then when the waiter comes and he's like, do you know what you're having? I'm like, no, I need to look at the menu. Even though I've probably memorized it, yeah. I'm that annoying person. That's hilarious. <laughs> that's good to be interested in food. And food is such a good connector. Because it's really the only time you can connect with people. Yeah, yeah. And you got your guard down because you're kind of just there all enjoying the same thing. (laughs) So we like we know that there's a bit of stop stop start and and a lot of plans are not completely in your control. But is there anything that you do have on the horizon for 2021 that you're really looking forward to? Um, (laughs) There is, but it's very unattainable at the moment. So it's very hard to know what will be allowed. I've got a lot of weddings pending for November, December, um, but I don't know if they're going to be able to do them. So yeah. I'm really excited about them and I'm enjoying working with the brides on it. Um, we're kind of not talking about the anxiety of not being able to do, do it when we want. We're just doing mm-hmm. We're just going full speed ahead Yeah, um, because, you know, you've got to live as well yeah like you can't just stop you need to plan ahead and I'll be working on a big charity called the winter ball that's happening um uh, probably May June July not sure when exactly but they they do a um they do an amazing winter ball that we did not last year because of COVID but the year before and we had 300 people at Mount Buller um, oh wow for a black tie party which was mm. very cool. I mean, we even had to have a we had a shoe concierge because everyone arrived in boots holding their stilettos, so we had to swap them out of the boots. Yeah, because you got to yeah, you got to safely get to the. And then at the end of the night, three hundred pairs of shoes. We then had to like swap the shoes back and give them their boots back. Oh my goodness! It was pretty. It was really fun, but you know it, that that I'll, that I'll look forward to because that's you know doing some good again. You know, um, mm. that's important, and that's for um, that's for a breast cancer gene called the BRCA gene, um, oh, and to raise okay. the research and development yep. of um, more research. So, yeah! Wow. Thing. That's fantastic. Well, I'm crossing my fingers and toes that. Um, Plans can just be plans that we do and we can work towards them and by December we can do all the things we want to do. Things will happen and they'll all kind of work out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So my last question and my favourite question, which is always (laughs) a tricky one for people, who inspires you and why? Um... I don't know. Everyone, lots of people. All the restaurants I find really inspiring over this period and watching them, you know, change and grow and, you know, everyone in hospitality is have really become really connected. Um, mm. You know, even like 
other caterers have been really supportive and they'll, we'll have a lockdown and, you know, I'll be texting one of my competitors going, can you believe it? There's another lockdown. And, and he'll be like, I know, I am freaking <laughs> out, you know. And I really have found a lot of people just we have really come together and anyone in hospo who's like we bump into each other, it's like, how are you? And it's like, like, mm, really not mm. great. But, you know, and we're all kind of honest with each other that it's been horrific. Um, mm. And so that's really, that human connection with them has been really great. And, you know, I like, go, I, I'm going to restaurants as often as I can. To be honest, less than I was before the pandemic, only, I don't know why, I've become a bit more of a homebody, which I think a lot of people have. But I, think we all have, I yeah. like to spend a bit of money and make sure that I'm like, you know, eating everything, drinking everything and having a good time so that I can support them in the same way that they would support me. Um, yeah. So that's been really nice. That, that's been pretty inspiring. And then, you know, Sky still inspires me with what she's doing overseas and um, a lot of... I'll go over there at the moment. So, yeah, yeah anyone a that's a lot of getting through that. A lot of my friends, you know, they're, they're all inspiring because what, what I learnt through this period was that everybody is going through something and mm -hmm. it doesn't matter whose is worse than whose if we can just listen to each other and support each other. I just found that really, like, important because, you know, a mum at home with two children homeschooling is having just as bad a time as I am having to, you know, make 300 lasagnas, you know. <laughs> and, and hating it because <laughs> it's killing and your soul. It, I can't go over to their house and serve it to them. You know, because yeah. that's the only step I'm missing. I'm missing the bit yeah. where we get to go. Yeah. I, it I remember talking to you when um, we were having our anniversary dinner and we had so many back and forth because I'm such a stickler for things being done the way no, they're supposed exactly. to be done. So I was like, well, wait, do I do this? And, like, what kind of plate? And I'm because I'm that annoying person that I just yeah. want to have it the way that. But it was but, nice for me to have yeah. that conversation. <laughs> I'm dying for that because I'm watching people eat things out of the plastic containers and I'm like, oh. <laughs> I'm like, go and get a big plate and a, and a metal fork, for God's sake. Yes, not plastic. Not plastic. Don't invest in, in like, proper catering and then eat with plastic no. out of the foil. No. Don't do that. No. But hopefully you can just go to a nice restaurant and um, exactly. or organise a nice event. Exactly. Well, Sophie, it has been so much fun chatting with you today. Mm -hmm. I um, I didn't know I would laugh so much talking about <laughs> all these funny stories about food. It has been a delight to chat to you. As I said, we will make sure that all of your um, website, socials, all of that sort of stuff for anyone that wants to connect with you. Um, I think you may be the first person I've had on the podcast. I um, hope I'm not saying the wrong thing, but I think you are the first person that we've talked food and more food and more food, which is amazing it's lovely <laughs> to have that variety um but yeah definitely check out um sophie and the team for anything that they're collaborating with with other um i know you guys do a whole heap of stuff in your industry as well but um thank you again and you. we to our listeners we will speak to you again on the next episode of she inspires me thank you for joining us today and for being a part of this incredible community Remember to hit subscribe, to share this episode with your friends and family, and to join us in our next episode to be inspired by more exceptional women.